Hello, everybody, and welcome to this evening's V Brown Bag. It is February 27th, 2018, and uh, we've got a good one tonight. We've had uh, quite a bit of interest in this topic, and it should be a fun one. Um, we've got Raf talking to us about preparing for GCP Cloud Architect. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what we're going to do tonight? Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me here. Uh, very excited to share my knowledge and experience on preparing for this certification. Uh, my name is Rafael Soero, and currently I'm a pre-sales engineer uh, with Google Cloud. So basically my job uh, is to help customers understand uh, Google Cloud's offerings and move them into Google Cloud. Uh, prior to that, I worked for AWS for almost three years in various roles. And prior to AWS, I worked uh, for EMC Corporation for about 13 years. Awesome. Thank you. So um, just a, a couple housekeeping things before we get the, to, the, to the good stuff. Um, if you are watching this, you probably know where to find us. We are on Twitter at vbrownbag. We also have our Latin America channels and our uh EMEA channels so follow them on twitter on the right hand side you can see our shows um shows around the world different times so check those out tell your friends um tell your family all that good stuff as usual you can always ask questions in the questions channel if you're watching live um if you are watching this recorded um you can you know fire off us fire something off on the twitter hashtag and we'll try to get back to you um, we will be watching the Twitter hashtag the brown bag during the show. So if you have questions, uh, you can also fire them off on Twitter and, uh, we'll try to get those answered for you. Um, I am Anthony hook and with us this evening, Angelo, you want to introduce yourself? Thanks, Anthony. Uh, thanks for giving me uh, an opportunity to co-host with you today. Um, hi everyone. Angelo Luciani, uh, blog at virtuize.com and just happy to be, um, uh, here with the team. So with uh, with this crew and Tom's here also, Tom Green. Uh, I didn't get him pictured because he joined late and didn't make the cut. So he's <laughs> he's hanging out with us too. So with <clears throat> with the three of us, we should try to maybe get something answered. We'll do our best. Um, shoot us a question. Uh, follow us on Twitter, and uh, I, I think I think that's all I got. So I am going to change presenter. Let's see if I do this right. Okay. So let me All right. You should be you. All right. Let me know if you can see my screen. We got it. I see a Google Doc. All right. So well first of all I need to put a disclaimer here, you know, that uh this webcast, uh, it's not intended to make people pass the certification exam. Uh, my my objective here is help guide people on what to study and how to prepare for the exam. Uh, I think things should not come easy. No, not because I believe on that, but also I accept the terms and conditions when I took the test. So I'm not going to be telling you what like, exactly what questions fall on the exam. It's just like a guidance on how to prepare. Yeah. And that's the fun part, you know. You, you, you as you study, you learn, 
And as you learn and get prepared, and as you feel prepared, you go and take the exam. Uh, the other thing is I'd like that to be interactive. So if you guys can ask questions via the chat or Twitter, please do. You know, I'm here uh, to interact with you. I think it's a better way to, to go about this session than only me talking. All right. So, Anthony, I would like if you can fire off a question there, like how many of uh, how many people like if they have experience with cloud, and then a second question if they they are like either AWS or Microsoft Azure certified, just to get a gauge like on the audience. Yeah, yeah. let me uh, see. The last poll we had was from 2016. So, questions? Can you can you say those again? Yeah, like. Uh, uh, how many people have cloud experience uh, or cloud experience yes and no we can get how many of them and then if they are either aws or azure certified also yes and no all right do you have cloud experience so let me see if i can do this okay we're doing this on the fly uh select the poll do you have cloud experience So for attendees that are viewing, if you guys are awake, if you can vote, I think I did that right. Do you have cloud experience? Uh, ah, we are getting some responses. Cannot vote though, so just keep that in mind. Sure. Yeah, we've got seventy percent of the people voted so far. Nice. Sixty-four percent. So maybe we had some more people join in. 73, we'll leave that up. And uh, while we're doing that, I'm going to make the other poll. So what was the other question? Uh, if AWS or Azure certified. Well, this is kind of fun. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So thank you for voting. I'm going to close that poll. So. The first one, do you have cloud experience? 60% said yes. We've got 40% no. Okay. That's good. So next one, are you AWS or Azure certified? Azure certified. Couple yes. We've got 29% yes and 70 was well, 2575. Okay. Yes to no. So mm -hmm. far, we'll leave it up for a little bit. Looks like it's hanging around there, guys. 73% of people in. So 25% uh, yes, 75% no. All right. That's good. Uh, I'll make sure to hit up on both ends. I mean, th there's certainly different strategies. Like if you have experience with the cloud and, and you are certified, uh, it makes things easier, right? So let me explain how I prepared uh, for this certification. And then I'll go through the basics for the people that are starting, you know, maybe from scratch. So like I said, uh, I used to work for AWS before and I, I was AWS certified, so I got all of the uh, associate certifications uh, for AWS as well as the SA professional. So uh, I got I had like four out of the seven that uh, AWS had. 
available. And that definitely helps uh, you prepare for Google's uh, Cloud Architect in both ways. One that you use to kind of that cloud nomenclature and the, the you know, cloud aspects of building applications and planning and designing for applications. But also, uh, a lot of things are the same, right? So uh, either AWS or Azure will have, or instances, the VMs, Google has the same thing, the load balancer, the networking, and so on. So that, that like, by having that experience, it helps you prepare. Uh, in my case as well, uh, not only uh, that AWS experience helped, but prior to take prior on taking the cloud architect exam, I was interviewing for Google as well. So as part of the Google interview, I had to do a, a, a demo. So the way that I did the demo was basically I had to create a free uh, trial account. I deploy some services there, understand because I had to like pitch uh, a cloud solution uh, to the panelists. So that helped me a lot on basically translating the services from AWS uh, to Google, right? And then after I joined Google, I decided to go after the certification. I studied more and I'll, I'll tell you guys what I did to study. And then I was able to achieve uh, the certification. So again, that might look a little out of context for someone that doesn't know or hasn't uh, worked uh, with the cloud, but my uh, recommendation is regardless of your level, know these concepts here and deploy those services. So all the services that, that I'll show you here, up until this bullet here, make sure you not only know what they are, but make sure you deploy it. So uh, I put here a little tip. So every time I'm working or uh, trying to learn your service, I try to come up with scenarios. To me, that's the best way to, uh, you know, learn something. So I create some like basic scenarios in my head as if I was going to implement for a customer and then go about and deploy them. So in this case, like think about like a two-tier two application, you know, front-end web servers connecting to a back-end databases, you know, two regions, four zones, and I can go over a little bit of what regions and zones are. But that's, that should be the basics uh, of your architecture. And then go about learning uh, Google specifics. So one thing that is very important uh, on Google is projects and building accounts and how they relate it to each other, right? So on Google, you may have one Google account, which becomes the billing account, and then you may have multiple projects under the billing account. So what that means is that each project uh, will have its own set of resources, its own policies, its own uh, permissions. And if you don't want, if you want to segregate, the projects will not talk to each other. And by doing that, you can have separated billing by projects. So that relationship between projects and billing accounts, very important. Also, deploy, deploy networking. So on Google, we call it uh, VPC, Virtual Private Cloud, okay? Uh, and that's kind of misleading because AWS also calls VPC and it, it's pretty much the same concept until it's not, okay? So both it's about networking, but the way that Google and AWS works uh, with networking is different. So make sure you deploy it and, and understand how VPC is working 
work uh, with Google Cloud. Uh, and the way, uh, if you see here, I, I added like custom VPC. The way I, the reason I say that is because when you create an account and you create an, a project, you get a default VPC, right? And that VPC will have subnets, you know, have everything configured for you. The thing is, if it's configured for you, you won't go through the mechanics to create a new one and you won't know what's going on. Again, uh, practice uh, brings you that experience that will definitely help you when uh, taking the test. You know, uh, the, the test about architecting solution, but a lot of questions uh, rely on your experience. So by going through these mechanics of configuring things, it will give you that experience that you need to take the, the exam, okay? So start with a new account, you know, sign up for a trial, understand, uh, understand that your account will be the billing account in that case, you know, uh, create projects. Within a project, create uh, your networking, right? And, and if you see here, I said two regions, for zones. So if you're creating a custom VPC, you can choose where your network will be uh, sitting or will be configured. So you can create a, a networking that will span two regions and four zones. Just to uh, explain a little bit about what zones and regions are. So a region is a, a group of zones and zones are independent facilities from each other within their region. Okay, so uh, if you're deploying an application, you're looking to have fault tolerance and high availability. So when you are deploying components, you want to deploy components in multiple zones within the region, right? Because if one zone fails, the others uh, will still be working and you have resiliency on your, on your application, okay? Uh, the default VPC networking, it will set up a subnet in all of the zones. So currently Google has about 15 regions and about 56 uh, zones. So you will have one subnet for each zone. But if you're doing a custom VPC, you can only deploy those subnets in the zones and regions that you want to use, okay? So I would definitely recommend you going through that, those mechanics. Uh, Google Cloud Storage uh, is Google's uh, object storage uh, service. And within uh, GCS, uh, there are tiers. So make sure you understand the tiers, you know, cold line, near line, regional, multi-region. Very important because again, as you see the questions, right? They, they will not ask what types of GCS options you have, but they will give you scenarios, right? So for example, uh, GCS code line is for infrequent uh, access data. So let's say you have data that you need to store, but you don't access frequently. So cold line would be a good use case for that. So you would see a question in a scenario format, right? Customer X, Y, and Z uh, has like 100 terabytes of information that they barely use. What kind of solution would be the, the best for this use case? You know, so understand which tier, what's the, the main use case for each tier because there will be questions in the format of use case that will ask about that, okay? VMs, so our virtual machines are our virtual servers, right, uh, on Google Cloud. Deploy them, understand the, the VM types. So 
as you deploy a VM on Google, you have you are offered with multiple uh, options in terms of types. So how much CPU and memory do you want? So we have templates uh, for VMs that we call uh, VM types. So you select one, you know, and deploy your VM. But also we have what we call custom VMs. So if the templates don't fit your need, you can have custom VMs and you choose the right amount of memory and vCPU that you need you know, for your use case. So again, deploy both of them. <laughs> deploy uh, a standard uh, VM and a custom VM, see the difference, see how you choose that, you know, uh, understand how they work. Uh, instance groups, so the, the real you know, beauty of the cloud is elasticity right and how you can scale in and out as needed so instance groups is the configuration that will allow you to set up auto scaling so auto scaling is basically what will trigger your you know group of instances or vms to grow or shrink so uh, in a better use case here in this two-tier application right let's say uh, this is a website that's like writing data into a database and all of a sudden it becomes very successful. So I'll probably have a, a load balancer in front of it, and then it will, I'll be directing traffic to multiple servers. Now let's say currently I have four servers, but traffic grows so much that I need you know, more capacity. I can have an auto scaling uh, configuration that says, if my network traffic in each instance goes above 80% of utilization, deploy two new more instances. Okay, or one more, depends on the number that I want. So auto scaling will be checking those metrics and if it hits the threshold, it will add more uh, VMs. And the opposite is also true, right? If my, my network utilization falls under, I don't know, 30%, kill one or two VMs. Because why am I wasting money if I'm not fully utilizing the resources? Okay, so all of that uh, scalability, elasticity is configured through auto scaling. And that's part of the instance group. So again, configure an instance group, look, look at the auto scaling uh, setup, health check as well. You know, uh, within an, uh, an instance group, uh, you can have some basic health check to make sure that instance uh, is working. So I can configure, for example, ping on port 80 or 443 <laughs> to make sure my web server is up and running, right? If it's not, just delete the server, uh, spin up a new one, you know? Uh, because at the end of the day, it's about uh, reliability and making sure my application is up and running. Differences between single zone and multi-zone. And, and that goes, I think. Hey, hey, hey Raph, we had a question yep. before. Uh, sorry, I, I missed it before, but it was actually kind of way back up when you were talking about um, GCP projects. Yep. Back up towards the top. With, uh, when you were talking about projects and billing accounts, are those projects the equivalent of AWS accounts, or how, how is that comparison yeah. kind of made? Yeah, so on AWS, you have the concept of uh, you can have one account rolling up to another account. So usually what people do, uh, they have one master billing account, and they have like sub-accounts, and they can distribute per project or, or per department or whatever they want, right? They, they, they want that segregation, but there is only one paying account, right? Uh, with Google, you don't need to do that. So the projects would be like those sub-accounts. Was that the question? Okay. Uh, yeah, if the person that asked can 
can confirm that I answered the question or I'll, I'll can try to. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait for uh, for a sec to respond, and then and then we can always follow back up with that. Yep. No problem. Uh, so before like. Before going into single zone and multi zone, one thing that's important, it's like a, I think a rule of thumb on architecting any solution, right? And that goes back to when I started working with IT back in 1998, which is every application is to be high available and fault tolerant, right? So know, know those concepts, right? So what's highly available? It's an application that will always be online. Then what's the difference between high availability and fault tolerance? You know? basically won't have SLA, right? So if you need to make sure that you need to guarantee that your application can support 100 users, you know, and, and that means that always two servers uh, need to be up and running to support 100 users, I, I cannot have only two servers in my environment, right? Because by having two servers, I can lose one and my application will be up and running. Uh, but if each server can only take up to 50 users, the application will be high available because it will be online, but it's not fault tolerant because you cannot sustain the number of users that I need, right? So there's a difference between high availability and fault tolerance. So make sure uh, you get that right because there might be questions that ask, how can you make an application high available and how can you make an application fault tolerant, you know? So fault tolerant, it's always 100% of response, whatever it's time, user, or whatever the metric is. And high available is that some, the application will be up and running, but that doesn't mean that will be 100% capable of sustaining uh, the metrics, okay? And how do you achieve at least high availability? Don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So don't put all your servers or all, all of your resources in one zone. Every region on Google offers at least two zones, and our goal is to have at least three zones per region. So we want to be as highly available as possible, right? So make sure uh, when you deploy your resources, make usage of the zones. So when you are creating your instance groups, you can define that, right? You can say, use all the zones available in the region, use only one, use two, use three, okay? so. Look at those uh, configurations when uh, configuring the instance groups. When you talk about cloud, uh, you also talk about repeatability, right? How, do you, how can you deploy the same thing over and over again uh, with as minimum human interaction as possible, right? That's the goal of uh, IT ops nowadays, right? Create, create a golden standard and just go with it. Uh, and that's why we have uh, instance templates. So once you find your golden standard for for an instance or for a VM, just templatize it. You know, and that might mean like the number of like the amount of memory CPU that you need, but also what you're gonna configure in that uh, instance in terms of you know configuration. Uh, what kind of network uh, am I gonna deploy? Uh, what kind of uh, you know, software I'm gonna deploy by default, how many uh, disks that, that, that instance will have. So I, I can create templates of VM, VMs and then just deploy them, okay? And when you're creating instance groups, if I'm auto-scaling, I need a template to know how I, I'm going to deploy 
uh, those instances inside the instance group. So actually, you need to define the instance template first, then configure the, the, the instance group. But I go through that exercise as well, you know, having that instance template uh, in, a, in a real use case, right, or in production, or even testing. You'll probably be testing how you need to set up your instance, and then you make a template out of that. Then you configure the instance group, you know, and then you can scale in and out as needed. As part of the instance template, or even instance creation, but it's way more useful when you're doing templates, is the, the, the scripts. So on Google, we offer startup and shutdown scripts. So every time you, you start up a VM, you can run scripts, and every time you shut down, uh, you can run scripts uh, if you would like to. Okay, Th those are not mandatory, but at least a startup script is very useful. So let's say I'm starting a, a new VM. And whenever you start a new VM, you'll be that, pl uh, that, that plain vanilla OS install, right? Either on Linux or, or Windows, it's the plain installation. So on, on our use case here, what do we want to use? If my front end uh, or my, yeah, my front end tier are, let's say, Linux with Apache web server, Apache does not come uh, installed and, and on by default. So I can use my startup scripts to install the packages for apache and make that service always running right so i can use uh, my startup script to to finish configuring my or start configuring my, my my instance so i can install apache i can update uh, the, the repo i can download files uh, to my instance right because not if i only install apache uh, my website or whatever the application is running there will not be there, right? So I, I can install Apache, download my, my my application files from an object storage, right? Google Cloud Storage, and set up that 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 server the way I the, the way I would like. So I can have everything on my startup script, and after everything runs at startup, you know, once that, that instance is up and running, we'll be ready to receive traffic. So startup scripts, like not only go through the exercise, but do some uh, studying on that for your personal knowledge, because those are very important concepts if you are effectively working with cloud. You know, startup and shutdown scripts are, are great tools to use to help you uh, configure your instances. Uh, firewall rules also very important uh, within Google Cloud. That's how you manage access actually to your instances, okay? So uh, there's a lot of bad uh, publicity on, on, on cloud, uh, you know, all those breaches that happen, you know. Uh, the cloud is really designed to be secure, but people just get like lazy or they don't take the, the right uh, approach or, or pay the right attention uh, to resources and they take the easy route. So what I mean by that is, okay, I'm deploying an instance. How am I gonna connect to that instance? Oh, SSH. Okay, let me open SSH to the world. So what happens? I can connect that. But as I'm connecting, there's thousands of people scanning, you know, cloud, uh, instances out there so they can hack into it and mine bitcoin or do something else you know so opening ssh to the world might not be the best solution 
but people sometimes they they're just lazy or they just want to take the easy route out you know they deploy a new instance open ssh to the world and never uh remember to close that after they they, they do what they have to do you know so and you allow those kind of connectivity through firewall rules so by default when you deploy an instance you cannot access that instance okay so uh, and then you need to create firewall rules to allow income incoming connection right either uh, on port 80 for http 443 for https or you know ssh like i said even ping uh, icmp is not allowed so you need to allow everything if you would like and then you can establish the range uh, that it will allow or any specific ip that you will allow so usually best practice if that's a web server obviously you need to open 80 to the world right but uh, from a management perspective i don't i don't need to open ssh to the world i can get my my, my ip and only allow my ip uh, to establish an ssh communication that's a you know better way uh, and secure way to do stuff so yeah play with the firewall rules you know in this case if it's a two-tier application only your your front end tier uh, should have exposure to the web right your your database tier uh, should not be exposed to the world the only uh, instances that should be allowed to access your database is your frontier instances nothing else right because only your, your your front end instances should be writing data into the database every other connection should not be allowed and you and you establish that via firewall rules uh another important topic and again everything that i'm saying that you need to get some ex, uh, experience is that there will be some sort of question about that in the exam you know it will not be a feature function uh question you know it will be a, a scenario but by you guys deploying that and understanding will help you Know, answering those questions it will be almost like automatic yeah uh, load balancer as well you know the way that google works with load balancer is different from aws for example and that's why i asked if there were people like they were aws and azure certified so understand how uh our load balancer works and in google's case it's global so our our regions are all connected so when we deploy a, a load balancer this load balancer is global so once you hit the load balancer, you can hit any region behind it. Uh, so, you know, our load balancers have three options, like layer seven, layer four, and UDP. So understand those options, you know, and the, uh, what you can configure in each one, because uh, there might be questions on that. Uh, container, our Kubernetes uh, service, GKE, Google Container Engine. So understand all the components of GKE, you know, how VMs work, pods, uh, etc. So at a high level, right, you will establish a container cluster right, when you deploy it uh, on GKE. And inside uh, the cluster, you have pods. So pods is a virtual grouping of the containers. Okay, so in one, in one, uh, cluster you may have multiple pods so understand the relationship between cluster and pods and how they are managed because there, there will be certainly questions about uh, GKE in the test 
Uh, last but not least, and the most confusing, at least for me, uh, when we're, I was studying, is StackDriver. So StackDriver is our monitoring tool. Uh, provides a rich uh, amount of information of your environment, okay? But StackDriver has many, many options. So make sure you understand each feature and subservice of StackDriver, okay? There will be, for sure, questions uh, in the exam that tied uh, to StackDriver. So make sure you spend some time working with all the options within StackDriver that you understand of what each one of those uh, subservices do, you know, uh, because you will certainly find a lot of questions on StackDriver uh, in the exam. And before I move on, uh, Anthony, uh, Angelo, there, are there any other questions? Uh, no, which means you must have been covering everything very well. Um, okay. Anybody else have any questions? I haven't seen anything yet on Twitter. Um, so I, I think you're doing, I think you're doing well. Great. Uh, Cool. So I think from a hands-on perspective, that's, uh, that's what you guys should definitely go and configure. And then the rest here of the list are things that you need to know on the theory, you know, uh, how service account works. You know, so basically it's how you access uh, Google Cloud with different permissions. Cloud SQL is Google's you know, managed uh, SQL offering. Spanner, it's also a SQL database, uh, but you know, it's a, so Cloud SQL is basically, uh, we offer two flavors, uh, MySQL and Postgres. So you choose the engine that you would like to run, but it's a managed service. So you don't need to manage the, the servers, you know, worry about patch or anything. It's like a software as a service solution. Uh, Spanner is also a, a, a SQL managed service offering, but Spanner is a, actually came from inside Google. Uh, it's developed by Google uh, and it's pretty cool because you can have a, a, a global SQL database. Okay, so you can have a, a database that spans multiple regions, active, active, no problem, you know, uh, within Google. So Spanner is something that is only available on Google. Definitely study a little bit, understand the concepts that you may get questions on that. Data Store is Google's uh, NoSQL offering. Uh, as well as Bigtable. Bigtable is also a NoSQL uh, database. Understand the difference between data, st data store versus Bigtable, okay? So data store is more like for your mobile, you know, high transaction, uh, NoSQL database. Bigtable is, uh, is more, you know, use case, like Hadoop cluster, when you need like NoSQL database for Hadoop, uh, Spark, you know, all of that, Bigtable is a better option. BigQuery is Google Cloud's uh, data warehouse solution. You know, so do understand what, what it does and how it works. Dataproc is our managed Spark uh, service. So it's basically running Hadoop Spark you know, uh, on GCP. Again, managed. You don't need to worry about managing the services. You know, you just load your jobs there and it will work. And Dataflow is uh, how you transform data and create the pipelines, you know, as you ingest data, you know, 
from uh, multiple sources into data proc or you know into a data warehouse because uh, the, the the names of the services are very similar you know make sure you know what data proc is versus data flow especially if you're starting with google you know uh, you will see those names uh, interchangeably uh, in the exam so make sure uh, you really know what each each one does so you don't get confused like i did when i was taking my exam uh, and same thing with big right have big query big table you know like if you know what they they are you know they are different services but you know like if you're starting with google like the big 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 will, will throw you off so make sure you really understand what big query is versus big table versus google, cloud sql versus cloud store data store uh general concepts okay so make sure you know what devops is uh, you know because there, there might be some questions uh, on devops and ci cd you know uh continuous integration continuous delivery continuous deployment make sure what those terms are because there might be questions you know again all of the questions are use cases so they, they might throw those nomenclatures there make sure you know what it is so you can answer accordingly again in terms of general concepts what understand what rolling updates are okay so uh you know we have application v1 i want to do a, a v2 what's the best rolling update model is it a b testing or canary updates <laughs> you know is it a functional testing or end-to-end -end? you know so make sure you understand that because it might change the outcome or the response i talked about high availability um you know and then it goes further here you know Anthony, uh, I can share this document with you. I don't know if you will post. You can post in a website, or I can create a PDF of that. You know, and we will, share. yeah, okay. yeah. At, at the end, we'll we'll follow up with you, and we'll get any you know materials that you want to post along with this. Okay. And uh, I think we'll put them in the YouTube description too. Okay. So cool. if you're watching this later, check the description or our website. We have somebody's got them somewhere. Awesome. Um, and actually, while I'm in here, there are a couple questions that have rolled in. So, okay. so uh, I'm just gonna kind of steamroll in here and uh, and get to them. Um, and maybe maybe you want to answer some of them towards the end. I'm not sure, but one of them was um, about the actual exam. So, you know, how many hours you had to study to pass, and how how long the actual exam is. Okay. Is one of one of the questions. Um, another one was about free accounts. Can you get free accounts for Google like you can with AWS for taking the test? Yeah. Um, all right. So, and are there any Go ahead. All right. So before I forget the questions, <laughs> uh, how long I studied, uh, I probably put a good 40 to 60 hours of study, you know, but again, I had AWS knowledge, so that helped a lot. And plus I was interviewing for Google, so I was forced uh to do a, a a demo interview you know so i had to deploy stuff that they asked me to do it so that helped me study as well uh so counting that plus you know after i joined google studying for the certification it was a good like 40 to 60 actual hours so you know, on my timeline that was about two months of studying you know uh, that might uh vary per person about a number of questions i don't know if we disclose i will show 
all the, the URLs for details on the test and we can like look for that together. But honestly, I don't remember on the top of my head. Uh, I don't know if we disclose that. Let's look at the public information here and see uh, if it's in there. Uh, and what was the third question? Oh, free accounts. Yes, you can have a free account. It's called free trial account. And you get $300 of credits and $300 on GCP can take you long ways. Okay, so that, that $300 is good for a year. So basically you get a free account for a year. There are other ways where you can get quote unquote free access to Google and I'll go over that as well. Okay, so uh, since I will share this document with you guys, I'm not gonna go through all the bullets, but you can read here. So just make sure you understand those concepts. Uh, and then I would like to go through, you know, public information, what's available, uh, some things uh, on extra uh, content on how to study. Uh, Raphael, just before you, you jump into that, there's one uh, question that came in. Okay. Um, we have a recent grad with uh, three AWS associate certs, and he's asking, is the GCP uh, certification targeted towards experienced professionals? Yeah, so AWS has two levels, right? Associate and professional. Uh, Google has one level. So I would say GCP tests more in line with the professional level of AWS than the associate, okay? Uh, but that doesn't mean people cannot take it, you know, like it's all about getting your hands dirty. You know, uh, one thing that I am completely against is people that only, that take the easy way out, you know, like go buy, buy a training that is fully focused on getting them certified because at the end of the day, you're not getting any experience and any knowledge. You're only basically decorating things to go and take the, 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 the exam, you know, so I, I truly believe if you get your hands dirty and the pointing the things that I, I, I listed there, plus the concept, uh, the conceptual knowledge of the rest, you'll be able to, to go and take the exam, you know, because by getting your hands dirty, you actually learning things, you're absorbing content and the knowledge. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I follow it. We'll see. Uh, they can, they can follow up if they have any other questions, Okay. but, uh, in, I, I don't have any AWS certs, so I, you know, I can't speak to that level of difficulty. Um, but it it would make sense to me the way you explained it. Yeah. So uh, I. Yeah. So get your hands dirty. That will help. You know, like if you follow this, obviously it's not the only thing that you need. So, but let's go and, and see what's publicly available, right? So if you go to google.com slash certification, you know, let me go one level back. You will find all the certification available. You know, we, we currently have four professional color architect, professional data engineer, G Suite administrator, and G Suite. So our focus here is on cloud architect. Let's look at the details, you know. So here they tell you what they are assessing, you know. Plan and design cloud solution architecture, manage provision the cloud solution infrastructure, design for security and compliance, analyze and optimize, manage implementation, ensure solutions that operation reliability. Okay, from my perspective, you know, planning and design is like that you no know, paper solution. You, know, you you draw things and connect dots, right? So this would be bullet number one. 
bullet number three, and maybe four. But everything else, to me, it means that you need to get your hands dirty. You know, managing provision. You know, you gotta go and deploy. Uh, manage implementations, you know, it's implementation. Ensure solution operations. That's all about, you know, your environment. So again, I, I cannot emphasize enough that you need to go and experience, you know, the services. Um, two hours, it's the time you get. I'm pretty sure that, well, I don't know about Google, I can double check, but I know at AWS, if it's, if it's a known English test, they give you an extra half hour. I can double check that uh, for Google. Uh, but, you know, you can prepare on the worst case scenario, that will be two hours. Uh, $200. Path for success, so they give you some he things here. So let's look at the outline uh, of the test. I will not go through the details because I want to keep that like within the one hour range. But look at the sections, you know, uh, design and planning, cloud architecture, what that, uh, what that entitles, you know, uh, managing and provisioning. So they will give you all the, the sub uh, sections here, designing for security, uh, did I miss yeah, analyzing and optimizing. So it will, they will explain what, uh, each thing uh, means in terms uh, of the sections in the exam. <laughs> Pay attention to this, you know, because uh, I personally got a question on Python. Uh, I had other people getting questions on Java. You know, they, they were not hard questions. You know, it's more of common sense than anything else. You know, uh, I, I am a person that's like pure infrastructure background. I have zero development or coding background. I never like to code or develop things, but I was able to answer because it's common sense. You know, like, uh, even though I hate coding, uh, I have to, to know the bare, you know, the, the bare minimum, you know, uh, from my sysadmin days and then, you know, working on the field, uh, implementing stuff. You always have to, you know, create scripts. You know, when I started working uh, with cloud, you know, there's a lot of APIs and things that you need to deploy using, you know, the SDKs. So you kind of pick up the, the basics and if you know the bare minimum, you know, don't, don't, don't let this in, intimidate you. Uh, section six, all about stack driver. Okay, so make sure you get your hands dirty on stack driver. You know, there's a lot of questions on that. Uh, okay, so that's the outline, you know, make sure you read and understand what they're looking for. But also uh, case studies. So in my case, half of the test was based on case studies. Uh, I've spoken with a few folks that they said that 70% of the tests were based on case study. Other people said it was like maybe 30 or 40%. Okay. Uh, so the beauty is that they will show the case studies in the test. So don't go crazy about trying to, you know, memorize all the, the case studies here. Go through them, like, you know, read, uh, at least expect uh, to know the, the bare minimum. But the, the entire text that you can see here, you will be able to see in the exam as well. And you may not get all the, 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 use case, the, the case studies. In my case, I got two out of four, you know. 
So just read through them, see what they are about. You know, uh, obviously the questions are not here, but there'll be questions based on those case studies, right? Uh, the questions were not straightforward. And what I mean by that is you may go and read all of that and the questions did not even make sense uh, in relation to the case study, you know? So you may get a question that it's blatant what the answer is, or you may get a question that barely has anything to do with the case study, you know? So you need to rely on your, you know, other concepts that I listed on that list that might be a key to answering the question of a case study. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, I think my, 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 my message here is go through the case studies, but don't worry about you know, memorizing all of them, that they will be presented uh, during the test. And basically you have a split screen where you can read the case study and then read the question about it. What else? Uh, Quick Labs. So Quick Labs is our uh, labs platform, self-paced labs. And we uh, actually, if you go back to the page here on the certification, one of the steps. One more. Da, ba, 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 ba. Practice with Quick Labs, right? So they list two quests of self-paced labs that you can take to practice, okay? And that's the, the second way on how you can get quote-unquote free access uh, to a Google account, right? So on Quick Labs, they manage the, the, the Google account. So once you sign up uh, on Quick Labs and enroll on the quest, Every time you run a lab, uh, Quick Labs will give you a, a, a Google account for you to run the exercise. And once you're done, that, that account goes away. So you don't need to worry about, you know, spending your $300 credits uh, with those exercises, okay? Uh, Quick Labs will give you a burner account, right? The thing is, some of the, the labs require you Quick Labs credits, and I'm pretty sure they cost like a dollar each credit. So it's not a lot. So, you know, you can buy in bulk. So like the more credits you buy, the more discount you get. I highly recommend you guys going through the, those you know, quests. There is a GCP Essentials one. There is a Cloud Architecture one that, you know, even the, uh, the description says it's like a certain exam practice. Highly recommend it, that as well, okay? Uh, go through those uh, self-paced labs. So maybe a few of them uh, matches my, my list of things that you need to get your hands dirty. So it's good. You know, you're killing two birds with one stone, you know, but so if you want to follow, you know, the recipe, do the, the quest, or if you want to do on your own, create a free trial account and do it yourself. Okay. Uh, a, another way to prepare for the exam is you can go to Coursera.com and there is a a google cloud architect uh course or coursera it obviously costs more money okay but it's basically the same class that we sell to customers or you know 
uh, that we sell publicly to anyone to go and sign up to a real you know, uh, instructor-led class. We basically recorded that content in videos, in, in chunk of videos, so you can watch the lecture and then do the labs. So the labs that you can get through Coursera are the same labs that you would get in a instructor-led training. So they are like, quote unquote, more advanced uh, because they are meant for, you know, that you can do over a larger period of time. So if you see here, each of those uh, lab on the quest are 30 minutes uh, in the instructor-led training and then Coursera, the, the labs are supposed to take like an hour or an hour and a half. So they are more elaborate, okay? So if you're feeling like spending the extra money or going the extra mile, definitely take a look on Coursera and, and, and the training there. That's honestly what I used to prepare for my certification. So uh, if you count the, the time that I spent uh, preparing for my job interview, and then after that, you know, I went to the Quest and I also took the Coursera training. Now that gave me a, a, a huge exposure on, on Google. And that's what basically I used to prepare uh, for certification. Uh, I will add all of those links uh, in, the, in the document uh, that Anthony and Angelo will post. Okay. But that's the natural selection. If you want to do it yourself, you know, follow the, that document that I, that I put together. You know, do things on your own using a free trial account or use the quick labs, uh, self-paced labs or yeah, on the other spectrum, you know, if you want a, like a full-blown, you know, training, uh, sign up on Coursera, get all the videos and, and uh, the labs. Uh, but I think that's uh, what I what I had in terms of preparing it. Uh, you guys have my my Twitter handle, and I'll share my email as well. But I think that the the most important message is get your hands dirty. You know, uh, work through the services. That's the best way to learn, best, best way to get prepared for the exam. Angelo, awesome. yeah, I don't know if you have, you guys have anything to wrap it up, but I think that's all I have. And uh, you guys feel free to, I know that there are some people watching live, some people that watch the record, uh, the recording session. I'll, I'll leave my contacts and you guys can feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Do you have any other questions uh, before before we go that that anybody wants to ask while we're live? Um, looks like uh, Graham found that eight credits on Quick Lab, uh, eight credits are eight dollars, and it looks like unused credits expire six months after purchase. So if right. you're interested, uh, just use them. That that sounds awesome. Actually, I didn't know I didn't know that was a thing. Um, those Quick Labs. So that's that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, aside of those quests, uh, we have a huge like portfolio of like standalone labs, self-paced labs that people can go uh, and just take it. So if you're interested on machine learning or AI on Google, you can just go and do those self-paced labs about you know a specific service or area of expertise. Awesome. Um. Any other, uh, any other thing before we wrap this up? Uh, not from my end. I, uh, I'll give you all the, the links and the documents, but uh, I would really uh, like to appreciate and thank you guys for having me. You know, uh, if you guys like, maybe we can like do something more on Google. Like I'm always looking for ways to share my knowledge and 
uh, hope people enjoy this. Awesome. Yeah, we're always looking for, for more presenters. So I'm sure I'm, uh, I'm sure we can be in touch if you're interested in doing something else. Sorry, Angelo, yeah. were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, there's uh, one, one question, Raphael. Um, the professional cloud architect and the professional data engineer, can, can, do, can they be taken? Do I need one, take one before the other, or can they be taken at um, different no, stages? No, they can be taken different stages. They, they are like a, they're kind of parallel tracks, right? They, they're not uh, required to be taken like in a certain right. order. Okay, thanks. And I think it's uh, again, right? Because cloud's so generic uh, that you may take uh, either or approach. Because of my background being like infrastructure, you know, uh, I decided to go with the cloud architect. But if people have a background of like, you no know, big data analytics, like development, you know, maybe their engineers a better track, you know. So it's it depends on what your focus is on, and your skill set is. Sounds good. Thanks. Awesome. Well, I will uh, I will stop the recording here. Thanks everybody for joining, and uh, catch us on our next show tomorrow evening at uh, one half hour later. I think that's the right time. Then we started tonight. Yeah, it's tomorrow at seven thirty central. There you go. All right, I'm gonna.